The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And good morning. Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is on the air for Sunday, December 15th. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer, is here. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. And Dave Spano, President and CEO at Annex Wealth Management. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Danny. And uh, good morning, gentlemen. I have to tell you, uh, it's supposed to be the end of the year where we spend some time with family and friends and think about Christmas shopping and, and holiday shopping. But I'll tell you what, the news was fast and furious all week, and I guess we have to start, of course, with the relationship with the United States and China. And as of Friday morning, phase one deal looks like it's moving forward. And even Friday morning when the market was in flux, uh, President Trump was tweeting and the Chinese were having a press conference. And as of that time, we still did not know exactly how much they were going to buy and how much we were going to give. And so uh, it certainly is in flux. But the fact that the framework for phase one has been done certainly goosed the market this week, Mark. Seems certainly like we made some progress. And, you know, the details, the, the devil's in the details like usual. And we'll see where we go with this. Of course, but the fact that we have moved a little bit further forward in some sort of a deal between the two largest economies in the world has to have some positive effect, you would think, on the markets as we go forward and towards the end of the year, guys. And, and it, did, well, it clearly did so did far. Friday, right? You know, where does it go from here? Uh, Derek, you know, I saw uh, your former professor was talking Friday morning uh, in Jeremy Siegel, and, and I have to tell you, he's, he's a really smart guy. Yeah. He's somewhat skeptical of what's going to happen here. He is. I mean, the, I think the one positive thing that came out of what he was saying and what, what what I've read so far this morning and well over the past several days, frankly, is that the, the odds of the tariffs that were suggested to be imposed on December 15th, the odds of those being imposed has been reduced, right. pro- provided that, you know, the, the, the Trump administration and the Chinese are actually on the same page. Right. And one of the big questions has been, how much of the agriculture will the Chinese purchase? And, you know, I have to tell you, you know, <laughs> they are fantastic negotiators. But uh, what was interesting is they, they didn't want to apply a fixed number. And the reason why they didn't want to apply a fixed number, they said they wanted they wanted market price. Right. They wanted to be capitalistic about it, which I thought was a, was kind of funny from the People's Republic of China. But they said they didn't want to agree to $50 billion because, for example, if soybeans are cheaper in Brazil or somewhere else, they wanted to be able to go and do that. Trump was pushing back on that. Right. And the other thing that I took away from all of this, too, is that, you know, to the degree that they're going to roll back tariffs that have already been imposed, that's going to require the Chinese to execute on this agreement, which if I were a negotiator, that's certainly what I would insist on if I was the Trump administration. So again, as we, you know, during the weekend, we're going to you know see a lot of things and, and a lot of potential tweets and so on. Right. And I guess the way I look at it is the markets have discounted a positive result here. And to the degree that that occurs, that's certainly supportive of what we've seen recently in terms of equity appreciation. No question. But we do know that 
that at least the, the another kick on Sunday morning today is not supposed to happen. And that was important news because the tariffs were supposed to go up again. But there is a lot more news, Danny. You know, I, I think there's, we want to go around the world and cover some of the things that are affecting us. Good enough. If you just joined us, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, December 15th. Know the difference? It is Team Tech Trust. Barron's top advisor, four-time member of the Financial Times Top 300, a fee-only fiduciary partner. When you head to AnnexWealth.com, that's your first stop. Then click that Get Started button. So let's take our supersonic jet from China all the way to the U.K., where there was a massive election that happened relating to Brexit, and Boris Johnson, Conservative Party, did win, Mark. Yeah, huge, actually. I mean, the Labor Party really suffered there. And it'll be interesting to see, because just like in our country, you have a difference in the composition of the the parliament in this particular case. They've had an opportunity to vote on a Brexit a couple of different times. Theresa May brought a deal and, 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 and Parliament couldn't get behind it. You know, Boris Johnson brought a deal earlier this fall, couldn't get behind it. Now the composition's a little bit different. And it's interesting to see what's going to happen now with Brexit. But, you know, guys, I think ultimately when you talk about trade deals or Brexit or anything like that, the way the markets react, Derek, is just a lot of times the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen next is kind of getting resolved. It is. I mean, Boris Johnson, uh, post the election results, said that the, the result was essentially a mandate to get Brexit done, in other words, for the United Kingdom to leave the EU on uh, January 31st. As a result of the vote, the British pound rallied over 2.5% against the dollar. Uh, and essentially, he has a majority to push it through. So uh, we feel very good about that, that at least that element of uncertainty has been resolved. And let me let me jump in. So if you're listening to this right now and you say, okay, Brexit's going to happen, I'm going to tell you there are people here right now that, does, that do not know what that means. Well, what it essentially means is that the, that the path for the UK's exit from the EU is now more likely uh, to occur than it had in the past. Pre- previously, you know, the Boris Johnson had negotiated with the EU. He tried to get the parliament to approve that. He did not have the votes, hence the election. Now he has the votes. He has a majority, a clear majority. And the, and the UK voters knew that that's what they were voting for. Right. And so now Britain will leave the EU, Mark. But you want to know, they're the one country in the European Union that has a path to do this. It is. and But, you know, you look at this, and this is even fractured because you have Northern Ireland and Ireland. Ireland. You've got one island, one that's going to stay in the UK, one that's going to leave with the UK, and one that's going to stay in the EU. And the other part of this election was the Scottish National Party. The Scots are saying, maybe we want to stay as well. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that have to get done here, there yet, but well, the but bigger my, picture... Yeah, Derek, is, my point is, to, 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 is they had a path because of their currency is different than the euro. They, they, had, they kept their own when, when the EU was formed. Well, that's true. The, the British were always sort of halfway in and halfway out by by maintaining that fiscal integrity, the ability to manage their own fiscal policies through the currency and the like. Uh, so, yes, certainly the EU had, I mean, the UK had a much easier path to leave the European Union if they chose so choose. And that's something that we've kind of had to handicap for quite some time. I mean, one, one of the results of this, Dave, is that stocks that are, you know, f- based in the United Kingdom are actually at very low valuations. Uh, people have you know, been somewhat negative on the UK stock market, and that clearly you know, went to new highs uh, on Friday, and looks like people are feeling optimistic about what's going to happen going forward. A lot more to come, and we certainly have to talk about the circus that happened in politics here in the U.S. when we come back, Danny. It's a circus. Thanks for the plane ride, Dave. All right, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News.
This is Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management, where we ask you to know the difference. The Wall Street Journal has published a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. The very first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We've been asking people listening to our show to do that for years. That's just one of the ways to know the difference between financial advisors. People come to us every day with what I call a mishmash. Statements here and there, overlapping investments, no consolidation. Annex Wealth Management can clean that up and put it in order. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will work to make sure your plan is clear and coordinated. If this makes sense to you, or if you want a second opinion on your investments and retirement planning, go to AnnexWealth.com. You can learn more there or simply hit the Get Started button and start the process. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. I hope we see you soon. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. Deanne Phillips is part of the team at Annex. She is Director of Client Learning and Development. She's a CFP, CDFA. That's a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. And welcome back. Thank you. Hi, Danny. This is a conversation about what's called the gray divorce. And how do you define that, Deanne? Well, that actually means when you split up or divorce after the age of 50. They call it gray for whatever reason. But as we both know, there are a few things more devastating than divorce, both emotionally and financially and Unfortunately, but when it happens to older people, there is potentially more of an impact on your retirement. In fact, divorce rates for people over 50 has more than doubled since 1990. And you mm-hmm. said it's harrowing. It's it's messy. So if you get divorced after 50, you expect your wealth to drop by 50%. Now, that's not a surprise. And it's more complex than that. It is. Uh, the economic impact can be really tough, especially if a couple is unaware of their financial picture and wh- what it'll look like after their assets are split. And, you know, sometimes, Danny, people are unaware of what their financial assets look like before they split too or while they're a happily married couple. But income after divorce needs to be addressed as well. This is all about the financial planning aspect. Now, perhaps the couple was counting on both Social Security payments, for example, to run one household. Now they might be looking at two checks running two households, and each person receives only one payment to run their own household. That can definitely leave a threat to standard of living as well. So researchers have found that a divorced woman who's over the age of 50 could actually see a standard of living drop by 45%, and that's actually double the decline for younger divorced women. Now, people get divorced for a zillion different reasons. I I did see that one of the reasons couple divorce is what happens in retirement. They hit retirement and they find incompatibility and they find conflict. We really do encourage people to kind of walk through that discussion of expectations in retirement. Well, right, because if you think about it, a lot of households have both people in the married couple working. So really think about how much time you spend with your work family as opposed to your own family. We try to spend, you know, as much time as we can with our the family we choose, but we spend so much time at work that all of a sudden when they retire, they find themselves spending so much time together and they have to find this new compatibility because they really are different human beings. We've aged and we've got this experience and now it's all the time to hit all those hobbies and bucket lists and it's really important you have an open, honest discussion with your significant other and share your hopes and desires and dreams because we could be living a lot longer, hopefully, in retirement. That's right. We're talking about the gray divorce with Deanne Phillips. That's for people over 50 and it happens more and more 
more. Deanne, w- once the dust has settled, or maybe it's still settling, anybody who's going through or gone through a divorce needs a solid financial plan. You said that earlier, but even more so for the gray divorces. That's very true. And that's, again, because of the, the income hit as well as the cut in assets to draw from in retirement. But there are several things to look at. And, you know, this is true of any... Um, trauma that might happen to your financial plan, just understanding your financial plan and and the vision, the cash flowing that happens, what your needs are, the budget. You know, if there's still a child in a household, obviously that budget has greater demands and your tax rate's going to change. So the effective time and date of the year of divorce is the date it's finalized. So for example, even if it's December 30th, you're divorced for that entire year. So you need to work with, you know, your planner and your accountant on your tax rate change. You know, catch up contributions in your 401k or 503b if you're over the age of 50, you can actually put more away for your retirement. So it's important to look and say, what can I do to get more put away now for my future, which maybe closer to retirement than you were, you know, when you first got married. There's an impact on Social Security, which we covered. You need to redo that estate plan. You need to think about health insurance, how you're going to be covered. Daniel, a lot of times people come to us and their first question is, when can I retire? That answer might change. These are all financial planning questions that a planner can help you with. So, Deanne, you're a CDFA. That's a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. What have you learned over the years as far as the steps to take. By the time people are working their way through the divorce, they're realizing they're going to have to split their assets. And this is really where a financial planner can really help you. And as a CDFA, what I do is focus on the after impact. I mean, I I know how to split that pension, what the tax consequences are, that kind of thing. So it goes a little bit more in depth of splitting assets. We work with attorneys through and then after the process too. What we don't want are people to be surprised to the downside when they take a look at the leftover income, leftover assets, and then they just don't have questions answered like, when can I retire? So engaging a financial planner toward the beginning of that process, like after you've been served, is really important. Talking about the great divorce, Deanne Phillips, part of the team at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. In the Wall Street Journal's list of questions to ask your financial advisor, the first one is, are you a fiduciary and are you willing to put that in writing? We will. Our team of investment, tax, and estate planners will clean up your overlapping, inefficient portfolio and make sure your plan is clear and coordinated as your fee-only partner. Go to AnnexWealth.com. Hit the Get Started button. Start the process. I'm Dave Spano, and I hope we see you soon. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. Time for Ask Annex. If you got a question for us, you can submit it via our website at AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button. We get back to everybody, and some of them make it on the radio. And our first one is from Mike via text. Hey, guys, enjoy your show. Listen almost weekly. I'm retired and 66 years old. I've got a good pension with cost of living allowance. I work part time now, but I'm thinking about retiring from the job. I have reduced debt considerably. I'd like to start a Roth IRA. 
Do I have to be employed in order to start an IRA? And is there a work or requirement or income requirement? And is there a limit to how much I can put in the IRA? Thanks, this, Mike. This is the one question, one question only line. <laughs> right. and it was over after he said, can yeah. I ask a question? Yeah. There's Thank a lot you, going Mike. on. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. Thanks, Mike. Lots going on there, Mark. Well, that's a, thanks for the question. First of all, congratulations on the retirement. So Roth IRAs are interesting because the, the first limitation that you have on a Roth IRA is an income limitation, both on the high side and on the low side. On the high side, you know, you can make quite a bit of money. A married couple can make about $194,000 and still make a Roth contribution. On the downside is if you're not working anymore, you have to have earned income in order to make a Roth contribution. So if you if you worked in 2019, you could make a 2019 Roth contribution, but if you're going to be fully retired in 2020 and don't have earned income, then you could no longer make Roth contributions. Next one is actually no name. It just came in via text. I put some money on on the sidelines for six months or so, already thinking stocks will go down. Now it's really gone up, and I think it's expensive to buy. When should I get back in? So, Derek, that's the horse with no name, but it's really a great question because of the fact of where we are. Great year up 27% year to date. I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile question. It, I mean, it is. Given the advance and given some of the overbought, oversold measures that we look at, you know, sort of from a tactical framework, now is probably not the time to go all in, particularly with December 15th looming, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Show. Uh, but generally, the way I think about things is, you know, the market's correct about five to seven percent a couple of times a year, maybe ten percent once a year, and every like four or five years we get a twenty percent correction. So, is a five to seven percent correction imminent? Perhaps. But so, what I always think about doing is, is basically dollar cost averaging in. You know, at some point, commit a third of the capital you're willing to commit, wait for more weakness, then commit another third, and when the second, the average of their first third and second third are positive, put in the third third. That way, you've basically Basically, if you only get a shallow pullback, you're at least in somewhat. Plus, there are also sectors of the market that right. you can can exploit. For example, we do a lot of dollar cost averaging at our shop, and recently we've been taking out RMDs, people who have to take money out of their 401k, so there no or IRA, so there's no tax issue. And recently, the rebalancing has told us to sell tech, buy international stocks, add a little bit to fixed income, so you can immediately do those sorts of things. In other words, don't go into tech, buy a little bit of fixed income, buy a little bit of international and wait for a correction because a lot of these stocks like Apple and Microsoft, which are big and drive the averages, are very extended above many of their support lines, could easily correct 15% on absolutely nothing, perhaps just as a simple analyst downgrade. If money comes in, you know, people are often provincial and say, I want to just invest in United States sectors, for example. But that's exactly right. You can fill out a portfolio if you're a 60-40 investor, for example, put the 40% in fixed income right now. If some of that 60% is equities, put that into international and be tactical about the rest of the money. I think that's a great answer. It's Ask Annex. If you have a question for us, head to our website. You can see a lot about us there, but you can also drop in a question. Just look for the Ask button. While you're there, click that Get Started button. Get going on that free portfolio analysis. Final one is from Billy. Billy, Billy, Billy. Billy. My company is changing qualified plans in the next couple of months. What should I be thinking of? And I can tell you this, our planning department, who is fantastic, has been getting this a lot, that this is happening with a couple of different companies. Big companies, and this is not atypical. You see sometimes there's benefits to a company to move from, let's say, a 403B plan to a 401K plan or from one plan to another for, for various reasons. And when they do that, you have choices. As a participant, an employee of that firm, you have some choices, and those choices depend on, on the, the size of the account, but generally they are this, is you can move your money from, let's say, plan A to plan B, but in a lot of cases what you have is an opportunity to 
look at maybe moving your money out into a qualified custodian, taking it and moving it into a rollover IRA. Why would you do that? Well, you do that for a number of reasons. The first would be to take control of the asset, because when you take control of the asset, you basically open yourself up to the entire universe of investments that are out there. If there's not ETFs in your 401k plan, you can invest in ETFs. You can look at low-cost mutual funds that maybe aren't available in your plan. So you're taking control of it, and you're, you're opening yourself up to all of the different assets that are out there. You can control costs. And of course, if you do leave the employer, then the, pl- then the assets are already outside of the plan in your name. So there's advantages to doing that. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. A very busy weekend because a lot happened last week, especially on Friday. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Thank you, Danny. You know, of course, uh, we can't do a financial radio show without talking about what happens with U.S. politics. And unfortunately, a sad day, uh, in my opinion, on what happened on Friday. Uh, Derek, you you put it in terms that I've used now for the whole week, which was it's kabuki theater. Theater. Yeah, and Kabuki Theater essentially is a, is a play in which everyone know how, knows how it's going to end. And right now, obviously, the you know the House voted uh, two articles of impeachment against the president to essentially remove him from office. Uh, the Senate will now take this up uh, after the turn of the year, and it's widely expected that the Senate will vote along party lines and basically acquit the president of these charges, and then we'll just move on from there. All right, so let's keep moving because this, the S&P uh, is up 28% year-to-date. And I'm telling you, a year ago, we, we weren't doing this show, but we were doing other radio shows. We weren't doing this show in this market, but it was a totally different environment 12 months ago. It certainly was because of the Fed mostly. I mean, you think about the end of 2018, most investors here you know, are, are going to look. remember the looking at their portfolio statements. And December and the fourth quarter were pretty rough. But you had the Fed that was t- tightening at that time. You had them raising rates and talking about a dot plot, a a path forward that had three more rate raises in 2019 and then more rate raises in 2020. And, and, you know, maybe the Fed misstepped at that point in time, Derek, you know, where they were going with policy. Now, the big pivot in 2019 was not rate raises. It was rate cuts. Yeah, I got to give the the Fed credit. You know, they realized that the U.S. economy and the global economy more specifically was, was somewhat weak, that some of this uncertainty on trade with China, Brexit, and the rest was negatively impacting uh, CEO confidence and the like. And they quickly moved to reverse their position and have lowered rates three times this year. And we heard from uh, Chairman Powell earlier this week, and he felt that, as he put it, monetary policy is in a good place, that current interest rates relative to inflation are reasonable and supportive of, of continued uh, risk-taking and, and and economic expansion. And one of the key rules in my book always is don't fight the Fed and certainly don't fight global central banks, which at this point have a higher percentage of countries easing than have at any time since 2009. Yeah, the great pivot that certainly happened in January, while the rest of the world had negative yields, we had at one point during 2019, $17 trillion with a T uh, dollars in negative yields. That was more than half of all of those bonds outside of the 
United States. Uh, and so it was just shocking. And so that, that has certainly uh, had an effect on interest rates, which, of course, has an effect on equity valuations. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Head there today, read up on us, click that Get Started button. Also, sign up for Axiom, which is the free weekly newsletter that arrives on Sundays. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about where we were. So we had a Fed that has certainly pivoted. Hopefully, we'll have a dollar Fed in 2020. Uh, They kind of keep quiet for most of the year, which is likely, you know, we think the idea of them raising rates before an election is highly unlikely, Mark. When you start thinking about a 28% move in the S&P 500, though, and you start thinking about a bond market that also was very active this year, you have to start thinking about your portfolio as you start to look into 2020, because there's a, there's a good chance your portfolio is out of whack. And by that, I mean simply that if you started the year as a 60-40 investor and you think about the run-up in the 60% of your portfolio, the stock percentage of your portfolio, it's probably a little, you know, it's probably a little larger than it should be. So going back to your risk tolerance and, and going through that exercise could be really healthy right now, because there's a lot of things that happen on the tax front at this time of year. There's capital gains and capital losses to be balanced. There's restating of basis that you can do. There's all kinds of fun things that can be done. You've got RMDs, maybe that have to be had yet, charitable intentions, tax benefits of doing all that kind of stuff. So now would be a great time to take advantage of that free portfolio review. Come in, get back to your true risk tolerance, and don't set yourself up for failure in 2020. So as we look forward into 2020, Derek, you know, we uh, we certainly had a run-up, and maybe we pulled some of the return in 2020 into 2019. Our feelings is a strong economy, but probably not a replay of what we saw. No, I think to expect similar returns in 2020 would be highly optimistic. Uh, certainly, the underlying fundamentals of the global economy seem to be improving. Uh, we've seen the price of copper, for example, start to rise, a sign that, that the industrial economy is getting a little bit stronger. Uh, we've seen the dollar weaken a little bit, which can help boost uh, S&P earnings for companies that do business overseas because our products are, are that much cheaper. So I think, you know, it's, it again argues for the balanced portfolio, which Mark essentially is alluding to. If your portfolio gets out of balance, get it back in balance, adjust your risk, because it's not always about generating returns. It's also about managing risk. And certainly, when you have some stocks up over 100% over the last 12 months, there's going to be profit taking. We know there are corrections that occur from time to time. And the better best way to generate solid risk-adjusted returns is to sell some risk when people want it and buy it when they don't. So the place to start is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. That begins the process, and it's a very simple process. We ask for some contact information, how we can get a hold of you. Investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. Dave Spano, I don't know how many times you've said in your career, you've never seen just one person that can do it all. That's why we built the team. Exactly right. And so you think about having an estate tax an estate planning lawyer, a CPA who's doing tax planning and tax returns, uh, if you need that. You have investments, you have CFAs and CFPs. That is the reason why we deliver this entire team to every one of our clients. Start at AnnexWealth.com. We'll see you in a week. Thanks for listening. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.